you know that this last song has a lot of uh, meaning to me right now because I'm in the middle of some kind of breakthrough that God's going through. Um, it's not yet finished, so I can't, I don't want to talk about it. It'll be a sermon down the road, I'm sure. But it's been 10 years at least in the making, and I'm starting to feel and see the Lord breaking things down. And so I was just looking at those words, thinking it's so true. From the beginning to the end, he has our life in his hands. You just can't see it when you're right in the middle of it sometimes, right? When, you, when you're in the middle of some of the worst pain in your life, you can't even understand how God can be holding you from the beginning to the end and working it all out somehow. It's really hard to see. But that's why it's really important that we share our lives with each other, you guys, because what one person learns, we can give to the other person. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of devastating loss or pain or whatever you're going through, man, you can't, you can't do it for yourself. You can, you can barely keep breathing day after day, right? We need other believers to say, listen, I've been right where you're at. God is super faithful. He's going to see you through it, and I know you don't see it now, He's going to do something remarkable with your life, and he's not going to waste your pain. And I'm so excited to share that message with you when I get the whole thing. But I just want you to know I'm in the middle of it, and it's weird, and it's scary, and it's, it's emotional like crazy. I can't even tell you. But I, I can tell you this. It's been what I've been praying for, and God is showing himself faithful. And it's really awesome. So that's kind of where I came from. My title tonight is called The Power of Perseverance. Um, a lot of you guys may or may not know this person, this young boy. He was, um, he was a kid that when he was in school, he asked so many questions of his teacher and, had, and was so curious and wanted to know how things worked that his teacher thought he was mentally ill and called his mom and said, yeah, I think something's wrong with him. Like he's overly curious and maybe you need to take him home or do something with him. And so she homeschooled him. She was like, no, I'll just take him home and homeschool him. And when she took him to the doctor, and he had an overly large head, and he was very curious and, and whatever, and he, the doctor thought he was mentally ill too, just so you know. By the age eight or nine, he was 100% deaf in one year and 80% deaf in the other ear. We know him as Thomas Edison. We know him as Thomas Edison. Because of his curiosity at work, when he worked as a technician, his coworker said he was unreliable and he would never amount to anything. Thomas Edison would never amount to anything. He was the inventor of the light bulb, the motion picture camera. He improved the telephone, the storage battery, and wax paper. Who knew that? Wax paper. Guess how many times he failed before he perfected the light bulb? 10,000 times. 10,000 times. He worked on the light bulb and failed until he got it where he wanted it to be. 10,000 times. That's what I call perseverance, right? You know, last week we talked about um, encountering God for our destiny, and I talked about how part of the call on my life is to keep calling out other people's destiny, keep pointing them to it and say, you have a destiny, you were created for a purpose. And so last week we talked about encountering God and how encountering God pushes us forward to our destiny and how necessary it is. This week, I want to talk to you about a different side of 
our destiny. And that's the side where we actually participate with God in doing things that maybe are, I don't know, work. Maybe hard. Maybe we don't want to do. You know, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, are, we're very grace-based. And we want to say that, you know, we're saved by grace, not because we've done anything, right? But there are also a lot of scriptures. Don't, don't be deceived. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about work and about doing things and choosing things. There's work out your salvation. Didn't say, it didn't say play out your salvation or fiddle around and think about it. It said, work, the Bible says, work out your salvation, which implies that we've got to do something. There's some kind of work we have to do. I think even being a Christian, a person who wants to mature as a Christian, there's sometimes a lot of work we have to do simply to not live the old lifestyle. Am I right? I mean, the old man is crucified and dead, but who here knows the old man rears his head a lot of times and wants us to go back to that, the bad habits, the bad thinking, the bad living, and we have to continually set, we crucify ourselves to do what God has called us to do. Is that fun for anybody? Do you guys have a good time crucifying your flesh? Is that like a thrill? No, it's actually work, right? We actually have to make a decision that we may have to do something eh, unpleasant or, or not immediately gratifying. I'll put it to you that way, right? And so that sometimes is where perseverance comes in. A lot of people, now I will say this, there are some people who have a personality gift to perseverance. I'm going to talk about that a little later. They tend to fall off on a, on a different side of the ditch where we can fall off because they get into a works uh, performance kind of identity. That's not God's will either, right? Perseverance has a particular goal in mind. Let me read it. And let me give you the definition of it from, you know, my favorite place, the Internet, dictionary.com. The Google, as my mother calls it, the Google. Perseverance is a noun, which means steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, a state, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. And also, it's a theological concept, which is continuance in a state of grace to the end, leading to eternal salvation. I thought that was cool that both definitions are on, you know, my favorite place, the Google, the Internet. James talks about perseverance this way, which is hard. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. That doesn't sound like a fun verse to me, does it to you? Like, which one of us here is like, hey, God, free gift. It's an awesome gift. We're not making any money this month. Awesome. So excited. What's going on with you, Lord? I mean, that's not something that I immediately run to and say, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, my daughter has to have hip surgery. Ooh, that's kind of hard, right? But here's what he says. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient. So there's something about perseverance that has a concept of we have to participate in it, and it may not be pleasant, but it matures us, and it, 
and then we're not deficient in that. There's something in perseverance that is going to take us to a place we're not already at and maybe give us greater understanding, greater wisdom, greater power. I mean, we just heard about Bob saying that persevering and having this group for two years has, has given him a harvest of vulnerability, transparency, changed lives. Is that right? Chris told me it's the best group he's ever been in, right? Mm -hmm. Best men's group he's ever been in. Because well, of, of Ed. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. And Sterling. And Sterling. My point to you is, you guys, you don't always know what you're going to get when you start something, when God has called you to do something, or when you obey God and what God's called you to do for years, too, right now. We've been doing our marriage class how long? Two years? We've seen a lot of fruit in that, haven't we? Even in our own lives, let alone the people that come to it. And that was just obeying God and going month after month, looking up 20-year-old material, you know, trying to make people happy in that group, right? But, you know, it's, it's like kind of what we, Bob and I have talked about this before. And when we talk about the DNA of Supper Club, there are things that you have to hit 500 times before somebody goes, oh, well, maybe that's true. Or maybe this is what works for relationships. They need to hear it over and over and over. And it's a part of, pers of being persevering and persistent in obeying God. It may, you may not see the fruit of the obedience the first time, but you might the 500th time. Right? Here's the thing. When it comes to perseverance, we have three lies that we have to kind of shut down. All right? Lie number one, this is what I was talking about before. Okay, forgive me. I'm going to use a phrase. Y'all know me. Just deal with this. Nut up and do it in your own strength. All right? Can you handle that? That's pretty bad, huh? What's it? What's Janet, I'm so sorry. Buck up. Okay, buck up. All right. There's a, there's a philosophy out there, especially for people who are very, very um, driven and ambitious. They get a lot of identity and a lot of strokes, ego strokes, out of success, their own success. Um, Chris and I have a friend who um, unfortunately got a lot of success as a younger person and gloried in it. It feels good to be successful. Make a lot of money. People work for you. They look up to you. They think you're incredible. But then, oh my, the world happened as it does. And all of a sudden, you can't control the world. So the, the, the success you've built on shaky ground falls away like that. And now, you, now you're in torment. You're insecure and you're in torment because you cannot make things go your way. This is what happens when you are trying to operate out of your own strength to persevere or to get things done. Here's what the scripture says. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. So, see, this kind of gets us back to that encountering theme I was talking about last week. When we're persevering, and it's hard, 
It doesn't come from our own strength. Perseverance, while we partner with the Holy Spirit, is not purely out of our own strength. It does have to, we do partner. But there are times when we have to persevere, and we don't quite know what the solution is. Bob and I have talked about it. There is a model that you do when you don't know what to do. And actually, it should be what we do all the time. Bob, make sure I say it right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stop. Turn and ask, and then respond. Okay, that's a four-step model. There you go. But we, he and I had this conversation, again, that there's nothing better you can do than this model concerning anything. You're having a disagreement with someone. You don't know what to do in your work. You don't know what to do with your health. Whenever you come to a place, you're like, God, I don't know what to do. This is what my flesh wants to do. I want to respond X, Y, or Z. But I think I'll stop, turn, ask you what you want me to do in this situation, and then I'll respond out of your heart. That's the way to be empowered by God when you're persevering, is to ask the Lord, how do you want me to persevere in this situation? Sometimes persevering is letting go of your own agenda, and saying, I'm going to persevere for this really uncomfortable time and do what God's called me to do, even though I don't understand it and I don't like it. That's still perseverance. But you're doing it because you're being led by the Holy Spirit, not because you're doing it out of your own strength. Does that make sense? Um, that, that was, t- yeah, gosh, in Timothy somewhere, I don't have the address. It was the message or passion. You know, like I said, accepting this lie as truth will make the person who's strong in their own life insecure and miserable because what it does is it robs you of the spirit of gratitude because you're looking to yourself to be your, your own God instead of saying, God, you've done everything, and I'm grateful for you. This is Romans one twenty one says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because everything we have comes from the Lord. And when you start walking outside of a spirit of gratefulness, your understanding is going to be completely darkened. You're going to be miserable and you're going to be tormented. Because ultimately, everything we have comes from the Lord. Every single thing. You either get on board with that or you're going to be miserable your whole life. Once you submit yourself to a spirit of gratitude and you say, God, you know what? You have given me everything. I love you and I bless you. That will open up your horizons for you. But when you do not walk in the spirit of, of gratitude, I guarantee you, you're going to be tormented. Not just unhappy, tormented. Because what happens is you begin to envy everybody else. You begin to say, why do they have this and I don't? I'm better than them. Why am I being screwed out of this? What's going on? You begin to question everything. And you're stuck in this place of torment and despair. And that is linked with a spirit of gratitude. When we begin to realize that by living in the United States alone, we are some of the most favored people on earth, we just start with that. Start with that. Here, who here has food on their table? Who here has a roof over their head? Yeah, that's more than three-quarters of the people in this world. Just that alone is a place for us to be grateful. And we so often forget that, you guys. We take that for granted like crazy. If we were to start practicing a spirit of gratitude, I guarantee you that our destiny would open up for us. 
And that's what I'm talking about. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit in order to access our destiny. You know, Scripture says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I like the um, 12-step model in this thing. I did the first three. (laughs) We have to come to the place where we we realize that we are completely hopeless and helpless in in the 12-step in our addiction, but I would say in our life. We are not in control of our life. We are completely out of control. And once we come to that place and that posture before the Lord, again, our destiny will open up. The second thing for the 12-step model is when we come to believe a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. There's a surrender and a submission that comes with realizing we don't make our own destiny, we partner with it. And that has to do with recognizing that God is the one who restores us to sanity, not ourselves. It's a very literally a humbling place we have to get to in order to, like I said, access our destiny. It's one thing to, to say I have a destiny and I have, the Lord is blessing me and I'm significant, but it's another place to humble ourselves before that and say, but God, you're the one that knows it and I submit myself to you and I surrender to you, whatever that is. The third thing for the 12-step model is make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. Here's the second lie. Lie number two. Easy is better than hard. Let's do things easy. Why would we ever choose to do the hard thing? That's the second lie. You guys know Scott Peck. He wrote the the book, The Road Less Traveled. You guys ever heard of that? What's the first sentence in his book? Life is difficult. That's his first sentence. It's a really quoted, many quoted sentence. Um, sentence, because it's the very first thing that opens up his book. Life is difficult. Can we say amen? Life is difficult. And we, we see that Jesus agrees with that. He says in John 16, 33, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you, and you will have great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. My battery's low. Please play for my battery to stay, stay on. One thing we need to have, you guys, and this sometimes is the hardest, it's one thing to persevere in our job because we get kind of immediate um, gratification with money or whatever. Sometimes it's really hard to persevere in re- relationships. Can anyone, anyone say amen to that? Sometimes we don't want to do the hard work of relationships. So I'd rather let that drift away. I'd rather ignore that, sweep it under the rug. But this is where the most important time for you to say, Lord, I want to do a very sinful thing. I want to beat this person up. I want to do X, Y, or Z. I want to ignore them, punish. I want to do all these things. But I'm going to, what is it? Stop, turn, listen, ask respond. Stop, turn, ask, and respond is the most important thing you can do in relationships. If there's anything I can tell you about relationships, it would be let your response to difficult times be led by the Holy Spirit and persevere in it. 
person. Do you know how many times marriages, they say that um, they've done this study where people will get to a rough patch in their marriage. And it, they just, they, like say they, on a one to ten, they qualified as a one or a two or a three, something like that. They say if you will persevere for five more years, studies have shown that marital happiness goes way up in five years. If you will persevere through that bad year. It's really hard for people to pers pers persevere these days because we have what's called a consumer mentality in our relationships. Consumerism is, what's this product do for me? Why should I buy this product? How does it make me feel better? How is it better for me? It also says, you know what? Once this is out of style, I'll buy this. This is old and worn out. Let me get a new model. That's consumerism. Am I right? And consumerism is also, hey, don't I look good in these new clothes? Doesn't this make me look fancy? I'm wearing, I'm, I've got, you know, coach purse, and I drive an XYZ car. I'm somebody. That's what the consumer mentality says. That is completely opposite of what we're supposed to be like in relationships. And this is what's so hard, in, especially in a marriage relationship, but in relationships in general. Where does it say relationships are supposed to make me happy in the Bible? Anybody found that? Anybody figured that out where it says we have relationships for what we get out of it? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. What I see in the Bible is this. Our famous, wonderful one, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. We realize that our identity, our success, and our happiness are not determined by the people in our lives. Our identity is who we are in the Lord, and our joy comes from the Lord, not from our people. Now, am I saying we don't have healthy boundaries? Absolutely not. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not saying that we have relationships with people that are destructive and toxic, and we just let them roll over us. That's not the Lord's heart either. But what I am saying is even in the toxic relationships, we can do this. Stop, turn, ask, respond, even in our toxic relationships. Because even like Danny Silk says, sometimes there's a toxic relationship you're called to. It's assignment to you. Not all toxic relationships and not all bad relationships. But the only way you're going to know that is if you stop and ask God. That's the only way you're going to know. Am I right? I'm just here to say there's this popular idea in culture that if a relationship isn't doing you any good, cut it loose and move on. And I'm here to say that's not really supported by the Bible. It's just really not. Again, not saying you ought to be a doormat, not saying you have to have bad boundaries, but I am saying we are to give into our relationships. We are to persevere beyond what sometimes is comfortable in our flesh. Because our flesh wants to be like, that's not fair. That's not justice. They'll treat me like crap. But the Lord says, what, what have I called you to do? A higher way. My way is not your way. I'm calling you to a higher path. And that's hard to do sometimes. Thank you, Jesus, for having my computer still stay on. Lie number three. I am insignificant, and what I do or don't do doesn't really matter 
My actions are mine and mine alone. I'm an island. I can do whatever I want. The reality is perseverance and purpose are closely linked to each other. If you don't feel like you have a purpose in life, you're not motivated to persevere through things. Is that right? Thank you, Bob. Thank you for affirming me. When people don't know their purpose or feel purposeless, they fall into two categories. That's what I'm saying. Lethargy or addictions. That's just me. Lethargy or addictions. What happens is Chris and I know somebody that, that doesn't know their worth and their destiny. And I'm going to say it again until you get sick of it. Every single one of us has a destiny in the Lord. Every single one of us has a call in our life. We are called to change the world. Every person, the, the greeter at Walmart, the police officer, the doctor, the politician, every single person is called, whether we see it in the world or it's in relationships or it's what, we, I don't know what it is, but I know we all have a destiny. What happens is people that don't know that, they've either not been, their family hasn't communicated it to them, they don't know the Lord, they haven't received it from the Lord, they can get what I call a spirit of poverty, okay? A spirit of poverty, not just money, but poverty in ev- health, self-esteem, every area of their life. And they fall under the spirit of poverty. They're like, I'm not good enough, and nothing good will ever happen to me. Do we know people like that? Have you ever met anyone like that? They're, they're like, nothing goes good for me. I'm just a loser. I'm insignificant. There's nothing out there for me. E, you know, Eeyore from, from Winnie the Pooh, right? That's a lie. That's a lie. The other thing they can do is fall into addictions. This is when they're trying to hide and have chronic sin. I mean, like, I can go over here and do my addiction because I don't really matter, and nobody's depending on me, and I'll just indulge my addiction, indulge my addiction, indulge my addiction. That's one side of the lie. Here's the thing. When you have a purpose in life, you are motivated to persevere. I'm going to use my son as an example. Christian. We all know Christian. I've told a bunch of stories about him, right? You know, when he was in 10th grade, I went through a divorce, and he became so depressed that he could not finish traditional high school. So he went to um, Eagle Academy, which is like the alternative high school that people go to that can't do regular high school. And you have to work and keep a job, and it's night school, and you go to school at night. And he graduated from Eagle Academy. Then he went on to be an EMT and got his EMT degree or certificate. After that, he went and, and did, um, he didn't kind of know what he wanted to do, but he went and did, um, ran the ambulance, uh, North Glen Ambulance up in North Glen, Commerce City area, for $8 an hour. He was the ambulance driver in the EMT at the, the right? At nights. He had to work nights, weekends, because he had to get experience to move up the ladder, right? After he got enough experience, he started working for Littleton Hospital as an EMT and Sky Ridge, and he worked for Flight for Life for a little while. And then he started going to ACC. And, you know, he was, he's not the perfect child. We all know that. He's not the perfect kid. But there was something inside of him where he felt called to medicine. He felt called to whatever. And we would talk all the time about EMT or paramedic or whatever. And I said, babe, you should just go on and be a doctor. You're not going to be okay with being a paramedic. You're going to want to call the shots when you're in the room. And he wasn't so sure about that, but he finished ACC, then he wanted to see you Denver, got his um, 
bachelor's undergraduate degree and did his MCAT, but guess what? <laughs> his GPA wasn't good enough to get into medical school. It, w just, it was just a little bit too low, and medical school is super, super competitive, right? Now, he could have stopped right there and said, you know, I'll be a paramedic, I'll do what I, I'll, I'll settle, or I'll, or I'll do what God's called me to do, and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to go and get a master's degree and raise my grade point average so I can get into medical school. And that's what he did. After, graduate, or after his undergraduate, he got a one-year master's, and guess what? Got accepted into medical school and started medical school last week. See, that's a story of perseverance when you feel like you got a call on your life. You're like, I'll do what it takes. I think Sterling is a really good example of that, too. That kid back there, is a, he can persevere. He's an entrepreneur, and he can persevere. And he has a call and a destiny on, on his life, too. I'm excited to see what God's going to do through him. I have another friend. Her name is Paola. <laughs> She's, that's the um, Spanish version of Paula. And we used to call her my twin. It was just a joke. But she was always, it was always so funny because she worked in a um, servicing company. I don't know, what was the name of it? A loan servicing company? Do you know? Anyway, every, every time I saw her, I'd say, what do you do now, Paula? And she goes, I just got a new job. And every time there was a, um, um, like an upward promotion in her company, she would apply for it, and she'd get it. And I'm telling you, that girl changed job like five times in one year. But she was determined that she was going to climb that ladder. She was a single mom and provide for her family. And by gum, she's going to run that company pretty soon because she can persevere. And my point to you is when you have a purpose in your life, when you feel purpose, you can persevere because you know that there's a prize at the end of it. And that's one thing that we've got to understand. When we don't know exactly what our purpose is, we're like, well, what's my purpose? I don't know. You need to understand that God has a purpose for you and you walk one day at a time, persevering to get to the end goal. Does that make sense? Even if you can't see it today, you determine in your heart that you're going to partner the Holy Spirit and you're going to persevere. When you're going through hard times, you're going to persevere because God knows the beginning from the end and he holds the whole thing in his hands and he will bring it to pass. That's a promise. And when you cannot see it, hi girl, when you cannot see it, you decide in your heart that you are going to persevere through. Oh. All right. I'm going to, will you let me look something up really, really fast. I'm going to close with this. It's, it's a good story. All right. So I remember I've talked to you about um, we all have a destiny, blah, blah, blah. So at the, at the I want to tell you the story about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, at, um, he was homeschooled. And you can help me, Jay. Do you know the history of Abraham Lincoln? All right. So he was homeschooled and became a lawyer. Um, he ran, he, I do know this, he um, ran for elected office and lost five times. He um, had a business that he lost. He had, his first wife died. He was married twice. <laughs> one girl said to him when he was campaigning, one little girl said to him, looked at his face and said, man, your face is so ugly, you should cover it with a beard. And that's what he did. He covered it with a beard. He became our president at the age, I think, of 51. But he had gone through all these elections where he would run and he'd lose. He'd run and he'd lose. He'd lose a business. He'd do this, he'd do that. But he persevered, and he became, you guys, 
the president who signed the Emancipation Declaration, setting the slaves free. And I just want you to, I, I guess I want to leave with this idea that, and you know, people do a poll, who's the most popular president? He comes up all the time. It's him, George Washington, and somebody else, Kennedy, or something like that. But I want to leave you with this. If he had given up the first time he lost an election, or when that person said he had an ugly face, seriously, or when his wife died, or when he lost his business, would we have had the same kind of outcome in the Civil War? What did he bring to the table that only he could bring because he was so, he was persistent and he persevered to do something he believed he was called to do, right? When he was 20 years old, I don't know that he saw he'd be president when he was 50. I don't know that he would be the president that had to bring back together the, the South and the North and heal a nation. You know, I think about Esther, you know, and the scripture that says, for such a time as this, have you been called? And I want to say to you guys, for such a time as this, you've all been called to something. You've got to persevere to get to it. There might be failure after failure after failure in front of you, you got to persevere. We need President Lincolns in our lives that do the right thing and set people free. He set a whole race of people free in the United States because he lost five times, lost a business, his wife died, and, and he was ugly and had, to, and had to grow a beard. Seriously, had so many. He had a disease on his face where he had, like, um, nodules. And the little girl said, that's so bad, you need to grow a beard. And by gum, he grew a beard and became the president. I just think that's a fantastic example for us, you guys, of setting our, saying, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to work with you. I, I know that you've got a plan and purpose for my life. I don't see it. I don't know it. But I'm going to talk to you every day, and I'm going to persevere in what I know you've called me to do because I trust at the end of the journey, I'm going to see what you did throughout my life, and you, and you responded to my obedience, perseverance. And that's, I just want to leave you with that, because I lost all my notes, and they're gone. Um, and if you put some music on for us, Ryan, that'd be great. I'll be up here to do any um, praying. I would like for us to keep in, I'll pray for our dinner too. Keep in mind, um, Steve, he, you know, he had to have another hip replacement because the first one got infected, and now he's on a different antibiotic makes him sick, and he doesn't feel good, and you know he wants to go around. So let's keep him in our prayers. Jane just got surgery on her foot, and so let's keep her in prayer. And I will be up here to pray with anyone who wants to pray about anything. The rest of you are dismissed. Um, thank you to Debbie for cooking our dinner tonight, and I'll, just, I'll pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, a willing hands to just provide for us and cook for us. God, I thank you for this community. Lord, I pray, God, that you would continue to lead us in obedience, lead us into persevering for our faith, for our destiny, for everything that you have for us, God, because the world is waiting for us to step up. I, I pray, God, everyone would know their identity here and that they would be able to persevere out of purpose. Lord, that you'd give each one of us the purpose for what you've called us to, Lord. And I just thank you for this group of people, Lord. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.